Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. There's a weight that must be lifted. There's a trophy welcome you. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in to us tonight and looking forward to what God has in store for you and for me tonight. It is a beautiful day. I'm looking out the windows. I'm seeing the sun still out and I'm excited by that even though it's been chilly weather and I pray that you're adjusting to this new time uh, that we are in this daylight savings time and uh, thank, thank you once again for taking the time to tune in with us and watch or listen. If you're not watching or listening right at the time that we're doing this at 6 o'clock, we thank you for that as well. But in looking forward to a wonderful time in God's Word is we're going to be looking again at the story of Rahab and her fantastic features of faith, her fantastic features of faith. So go ahead and turn, if you would, to the book of Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. This is part 2 of this uh, study in, on Rahab in the book of Joshua that I came across to my Bible reading and, uh, and want to encourage you to continue to do your Bible reading, whether you're reading along with us on our chronological schedule, our chronological Bible reading through the year, or whether you're reading some other place. Uh, some other plan, that is fine, and I pray that you're finding it as, as fantastic as I am. But this was part of my reading, and I will be shortly, if you're following the schedule uh, that we've been putting out as a church and reading together as a church, uh, but I just want you to see some fantastic things about Rahab again as we looked last week and began this look at Rahab's life and the story of Rahab here in, as she was in Jericho, and the two spies had entered the land. But we're going to read in just a moment, but I want to go ahead and just uh, open in a word of prayer, invite you to pray along with me, and then I want you to read along in God's word with me as well. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Father, I thank you for the chance to come into your house. Thank you for a chance to come into your presence. Thank you for a chance to open up your word, and not just for me, but Father, for those that are listening, those that are watching, I thank you for my church. I thank you for uh, any guests, any friends, any family that may be listening or watching. God, I thank you, and I pray that you would help us to see these fantastic features of faith tonight that Rahab exhibited and demonstrated, and Father, I pray that we would demonstrate these in our own lives today if we are people of faith, and if we are not, that we would come to trust in you and trust in your Son and what you did on the cross through your Son for us, for the remission of sins, for, for, the, for the payment of our sin. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, look in Joshua chapter 2, and as you do, I would encourage you to do as I've begun to do with each service, and that is to raise up your Bible right there in your home, right there wherever you're at, raise up your Bible, and I want you to repeat this after me. I'm going to say it once, and then I'll say it again. We just started this this week, but this is God's Word. I will read it, I will believe it, and I will obey it by the grace of God. Let's read it 
together. So let's say that again. This is the word of God. I will read it. I will believe it. And I will obey it by the grace of God. And so let's go ahead and turn again in Joshua chapter 2. And we read the first seven verses last week. And I think I may have put that on the uh, live stream for our passage for this week. But I'm actually going to read down now after the introduction of Rahab. And these men have come in to spy out the land. Joshua sent two spies into the land as they were going to get ready to cross over Jordan into Canaan, into the promised land for the first time. And although they had spent 12 spies out, the people rebelled against them, this time Joshua, by faith, is sending two spies in to examine the city. And so therefore, they do that. They come in the house uh, they, they come into a house of Rahab, who was known as a prostitute or a harlot, the Bible says, uh, which was a prostitute. And then she hid them. The king of Jericho comes and says, I, there's people came into your house. Uh, where are they at? And she says they've already gone out. She had hid them in her roof. But she says they've already gone out. Run quickly and you can catch them. And then when they leave out, she goes up and she talks to the men that she had hid, the spies that she had hid. And I want you to read along with me in verse 8. And before they were laid down, in other words, for the night, she came up, up unto them upon the roof, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you, and when ye came out of Egypt, and what ye did to the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, and whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we did, we had heard these things. As soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token, and that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that I have and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the man answered her, Our life for yours, if ye utter not this our business, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. And then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountains, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may ye go your way. Again, another wonderful part of this story in the story of Rahab. And I want you to see tonight, I'm going to recap what we talked about last week, and then we're going to dive in to some fantastic features of her faith. Dive in, if you would, with me. Now, again, we talked last week about when you read the Bible. Uh, read the Bible with an open heart and open ears, because what you read will not always go along or, or fit your preconceived ideas of what God's Word is about. Even as a Christian, you will read things in God's Word and you will be amazed that what takes place does not always fit your philosophy or your ideology. 
or your way of thinking. That's just the way God operates. And today, again, I offer as proof the story of Rahab and how God used the most unlikely of characters uh, and he used, them, used her mightily to protect and provide for his people Israel and also used her, I believe, in the line and the lineage of Jesus Christ. This story of Rahab, we see a great woman of faith and we also see a beautiful picture of salvation. Now, again, we talked last week about what faith was in the Old Testament and how there's only two times we see the word faith, and it meant basically trustworthy or stable, but we see the word dozens and dozens of times, faith, in the New Testament, meaning a convinced or a persuaded faith, in other words, a saving faith, and while we don't see that word here with Rahab, we see the actions that she takes of a changed woman. And if we look over in the New Testament, we see in Hebrews and James, we see where they refer to Rahab being a woman of faith, meaning saving faith, and a woman whose faith was proven by her actions in the book of James. And so therefore, I believe that she was a woman who was saved shortly before these spies came into the land. Now, we could argue that and we could debate that. It really doesn't matter. We know that she became a believer and that she was saved because we read about her in the New Testament being a woman of faith. But it seems that she was saved shortly before. We'll come to that in just a moment. But we know about this woman. She was a Canaanite. We know she was a woman. She know, we know that she had at least a reputation as having been a adulteress, a prostitute, a woman of... Uh, Salty means of living, uh, shall we say. Not a biblical lifestyle, shall we say. But she was a woman that God used greatly in hiding of the spies. And certainly we see a, a story of mercy and grace. We talked about this last week. Uh, we, we see a picture of salvation, much like we did with Noah uh, and the ark much like we saw with Moses and the Ark of Bulrushes that he was in, much like we saw with uh, the exodus out of Egypt and the Passover and the death angel and the doors marked with blood. Those are pictures of salvation. And here we see, no mistake, a picture of Rahab and the, what she does. And it's a picture of salvation that we see as well. And I want you to see that again. But first, first, I want you to see number one. I want you to see these. Well, I want you to see these aspects of her faith, these fantastic features of her faith. And let me share with you feature number one. This is feature number one. She had brave faith. Now, the reason I'm pointing these out because these features of her faith ought to be the same features that we have and we demonstrate and we act upon and we demonstrate in our lives today. She had a brave faith. We see she had a brave faith because of her protection of the spies that came into the land. She protected the spies. Here these two spies come in, and in God's providence, God delivers them or leads them to her house, and she protects them at great risk to herself, at great risk to the spies, because she risked her own life when the king of Jericho comes in and says, in verse 3, 
bring forth the men that have come to see thee, which are entered into thine house, for they came to search out the country, but she had taken them and hidden them. So she risked her life. It was a brave act that she did of faith in protecting God's people. Isn't it amazing that Israel, who were the children of God, God sent two of his children into the city to the only, I believe, child of God in the city at that time, being Rahab, for their protection. Isn't that amazing how God found the one person or sent them to the one person that he was going to use to provide for them because of her brave faith? And if God can do that, listen, my friends, if God can do that, what can God not do for your protection? Now listen, I don't think we ought to live a life just looking for protection in this world in which we live. In other words, we don't live, when we read about the characters in the Bible, they didn't pray oftentimes for, protect me. Now there's times they did, but it was times of, lead me God, show me God, give me courage God, help me fight God. Help me defend the faith, God. Help me tell others, God. Not necessarily God save us all alive and protect us. Let no harm fall upon us. That's not most of what we see in the Bible. But if God can protect Rahab, God in a city of Jericho, God in the worldly city of Jericho, the wicked city of Jericho, God can certainly protect you and me in serving him and working for him in this wicked world we live in today. But she had a brave faith because she protected the spies. Also, she was brave because she made a proclamation of faith. Now, she was brave because she proclaimed, now we're going to come back to this, but a lie unto the king, but also she made a proclamation of her faith. And I want you to see, this is why I see, or why I say, I believe that she was saved shortly before the spies came in the land because she makes a proclamation of her brave faith, and she says up in verse 10, for we, that would include herself, well, actually, go back to verse 9, and she says, I know that the Lord, and the word Lord there is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, hath given you the land. It's a statement of faith. I know that God has given you the land. He's given you the city. That He's given you this whole, this whole land of Canaan. He's given it to you. And all the inhabitants of the land are in terror because of what we have heard of you. We heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. We heard about how you came out of Egypt, what you did to the kings of the Amorites on the other side of the Jordan. We heard all that. And the people, they were scared to death and their hearts melted. And they, no, there wasn't any courage found in them. But then again, notice what she says here. The Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. That was a brave statement of faith. You say, well, it wasn't so brave to say it to God's people. No, but it was brave for her to come to that conclusion. It was not easy for her to believe. And that's the, pro that's the thing we need to see in the world today is it's not easy for people to believe. 
If people believe, now listen, you don't have to change who you are to come to God. God changes you. But you have to believe that God is going to change you and that your lifestyle is going to change. Your habits are going to change. Your thought process is going to change. Your patterns are going to change. And so therefore, it's courage and bravery that God gives us to have the faith to be saved and call on Him for salvation. People are saved out of all kinds of dangerous situations. People are saved out of all kinds of situations that it means great harm could befall them if they make a proclamation of faith. And she had great, brave faith in her proclamation. James says that by faith, or her faith was proven by her actions of bravery in hiding the spies. And I'm just going to say this. The reason I believe that she was saved and that's proven out is because true faith cannot remain hidden for long. She may have been hidden from the rest of her countrymen, from the rest of her city's inhabitants in her faith. She may have hid that for a short period, but it couldn't be hidden for long, and she had to act. And your, your true faith will never remain hidden for long. We have to tell. We have to change. We have to act because God is changing us. And God is changing you. And God is changing me. And if you are the same today as you were 20 years ago, if you are the same today as you were 20 days ago, then you need to do a checkup and say, God, what is going on with me? True faith cannot remain hidden. God is changing and working in you just as he did in her. And it showed her brave faith. But also we have a problem. We have a problem here, and i got to go quick because I'm going to run out of time. How do we defend her actions? How do we defend the fact that she was a prostitute? Now, we can defend it this way if we want to. We can say, well, was she a prostitute at the time, or had she been a prostitute before she was, uh, yeah, I'm using the word saved. Now, people were, we didn't use the word saved in the Old Testament, but became a woman of faith. I understand that they didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them back then. But my point is this. Whether or not she was a prostitute at the moment these men came, she had been known as a prostitute. And we might say, well, she was no longer a prostitute. Maybe she had repented of that, very possibly. But either way, she was known as a prostitute. How do we defend that? Well, we don't really have to. I'll come back to that. How do we defend her lies about the spies? That's part two of the problem. I mean, she lied. Now, we can defend her lying by saying, well, her life would have been in danger. Is it okay to lie if your life's in danger? Well, the answer is really no. Well, is it, a, is it, is it, was she wrong to lie to protect not just herself or forget herself for a moment, but the others that she was protecting? You know, we can defend and say, well, it was a time of war. And there are people that are heroes who were liars about things that took place to defend others in war. So we could try to defend that way. We could try to defend the fact that she was known as a prostitute. But we don't have to. And what I mean by that is God doesn't defend those actions. God doesn't, doesn't applaud those actions. God doesn't praise her for those actions. She wasn't delivered because she lied and because she was a prostitute. She was delivered in spite of those things. She was delivered because of her acts of faith 
and therefore she hid them, and therefore she made a profession about God being the true God of heaven and earth. That's why God delivered her, and that's why I believe her being in heaven today will get there one day and we'll find out that's exactly why her faith was in the God of the Bible, the God of Israel, in the faith of the Messiah that would come. But we don't have to defend her actions. If she lied, I'm not saying it's right. Please don't misunderstand. But we all lie. Christians still lie. That doesn't mean it's right. But before you throw too many stones, we lie and we sin. And here she was, I believe, a new believer, and she still would have been struggling with sin and old habits, and therefore she lied. The point is this. She was brave to be willing to change, knowing she was going to have to change. She had a problem, but she was brave. Some people say, well, I'm broken. I'm flawed. I could never be saved, or God could never use me. But that's not what she said. God often uses the flawed, the broken, the weak people in the Bible to accomplish his purposes. God often uh, uses the, 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 the... in fact, the Bible says that God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. She's not somebody that we would have chosen, being a Canaanite, being a woman, being a prostitute, being a liar. She's not someone that we would have chosen to trust our children with. But God did. I am not someone that you would have chosen to trust your children with. But God did. My point is we all have a past. We all have problems. But God's grace is sufficient. And it was sufficient for her and it's sufficient for you and for me. Number two. I want you to see number two very quickly. We've got to move quickly now. Not only did she have a brave faith, she had a bedrock faith. So number two, she had a bedrock faith, a confident faith. And the reason it was a confident faith was because it was a properly placed faith. Faith. It was placed in the rock that is our foundation, that is our God. That's where her faith was placed. You know, your faith is only as good as the object in which you place it. And she had placed hers in a mighty rock, in a mighty fortress, in a, on stony ground. Many of us place our faith, or many people place their faith on sandy ground, and it will give way. She did not just have faith. In faith. Some people have faith in faith. You say, well, what do you mean by faith in faith? Well, they think that, you know, if I believe it, I can do it. You just got to have enough faith. Faith in yourself. I won't get into a whole sidetrack about uh, 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 humanism and, and faith in yourself and self-love and self-confidence and all that kind of thing. I'm going to leave that for a different day. But the point is this. She was not confident in self. Her faith was not in herself. Her faith was in the God of the heavens above and the earth beneath. That's where her faith was placed. It was in a proper place, not in an improper place. It was not in herself. It also was not in lies. Some people believe in lies or superstitions. We all hear about people in a lucky rabbit's foot or athletes who don't change their uh, shirt or their pants or they've got a lucky glove or they've got a lucky ball or, or whatever it might be. Uh, you know, a lucky lure for fishermen. 
whatever it might be, and they put their faith in that lure. They put their faith in that thing, and it's just a superstition. It's not real, and it will fail. I once heard about somebody who said, you know, they believed in the vending machine, the soda machine, the, the, the drink machine, and how you put your money in there, and it would religiously pop out a drink. You put the right money in there, and the, and the drink will pop out. Problem with that is, is sooner or later, you run out of money. Or sooner or later, the drink machine runs out of drinks. Or sooner or later, one of those drinks gets hung up and doesn't come out. You ever do that? used to have a drink machine back in my, uh, in my elementary school that you'd put that money in there, and sometimes it wouldn't fall at all, and sometimes you'd hear go, and it would get hung. And you, as a kid, we'd reach that little skinny arm up there, and we'd have to reach up in there, and you'd kind of get your fingernail, and you'd dip it, and then it would fall out. But there's times that vending machine will fail. That lucky rabbit's foot will fail. That superstition will fail. There's lies. Lies of the devil. Lies that, hey, you can be good enough. Hey, you go to church. Hey, you, you sing in the choir. Hey, you read your Bible. Hey, your daddy was a preacher. Hey, you, you grew up in a Christian home. Hey, listen, God wouldn't send you to hell. And people believe in lies. But that's exactly what they are, is lies. That's not where she did. She believed in the truth of what God had done, and she had seen it, and she had heard it, and she believed. She also didn't just get worked up in some kind of emotionalism, some kind of superstition, just if I feel like, listen, you know, the devil tried to tempt Jesus into jumping off the pinnacle, and then the angels would catch him before he hit the ground. And there's some people that say, hey, listen, nothing's going to happen to you that God doesn't let happen. And that's true. That doesn't mean that you need to go up on top of a pinnacle and throw yourself off trusting that the angels are going to catch you because, man, I just feel like God's going to help me here. I just feel like God is going to be with me here. I just feel like this is what God wants me to do. Listen, a true faith must be placed in that which is trustworthy. And she put her faith, a bedrock faith, a confident faith in God and the things of God, and that's what we must do. As well, not in ourselves, not in anything that we can do, not in anybody else, not in anything else, not in some superstition, not in some emotionalism, not getting caught up in well, I, you know, I just had this moment, I just had this, I listened to this song, and and I all of a sudden I got goosebumps and tears begin to fall, and I just knew that I was saved, my friend. That is not salvation. That is not. What it takes to be saved. That is not the way of salvation. I heard somebody posting something about a particular movie star and, and how he, he, look at this picture of faith and how he talked a little bit about Jesus and he talked about how we got to go through our pain. And when you go through the pain, that leads to salvation. No, your pain doesn't lead to salvation. Jesus' pain and his stripes are by how we are healed of our sin. And it's not our pain. It was his pain hanging on that cross and paying our price, my friend. And I'm telling you right now that I don't I don't care whether you're a preacher. I don't care if you're a teacher. I don't care if you're a deacon. I don't care if you're a Sunday school teacher. You better be sharing and teaching and pushing the truth of the Word of God and putting your faith in true faith 
in God and the things of God. So that's number two. She had a bedrock faith. Number three, I want you to see that she had a burdened faith. Gotta go quickly. I'm about out of time. She had a burdened faith. Look with me as she goes down and she says, after she hides them and she makes her profession of faith there in verse 11. And then in verse 12, now therefore I pray you swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house. And give me a true token that you will save alive my father, my mother, my brother, my sisters, and all that I have, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. Her first thought wasn't for herself. Her first thought was for others. My friend, when you get saved, your thoughts change, ought to change, from me, 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 to everybody else, you, you, you. I'm on my way to heaven, and yes, I've got to live for the Lord, and yes, my relationship starts with salvation. It didn't end with salvation, and my growth begins with salvation. It didn't stop with salvation, but I'm telling you that now that I'm saved, I'm worried about everybody else, and I want you to be saved, and I want others to be saved, and I'm concerned. Paul said, listen, if I could take my name out of the book of life, I would so that you can be saved and have your name written therein my friend real faith is burdened faith do you have a burden listen do you have do you have a brave faith do you have a rock solid faith uh, a bedrock faith do you have a burdened faith she was concerned not just for her own well-being but she was concerned for the well-being and the future of others not only was she burdened again showing her confident faith and her, her bedrock faith and also her brave faith, it must have taken an awful lot of brave faith to tell her family who weren't yet saved, hey, listen, this is what's going to happen. The God of the universe, the God of heaven above, the God of earth below has sent his people, the Israelites, and they are going to wipe us out. Judgment is coming, and everybody is going to be judged and destroyed unless you get in my house and allow the God of the Bible, the God of the Israelites, to rescue you and redeem you and save you. And she told them, can you imagine the risk that that would have been to her? Can you imagine the risk that would have been for her to confess that to others? Say, hey, listen, come on, get in my house and you'll be saved. Otherwise, you're going to be wiped out. My friends, it was a burdened, brave Bedrock faith in which she had. And so we too must tell people, despite what might happen to us if we do, we may lose a friend, we may risk our health, we may risk our life to tell people about Jesus. I'm so glad that I know people that are telling people, despite their hesitation, despite the other people's argument, despite their resistance, they continue on and they push on saying, listen, I'm burdened for you. I'm burdened for you. I'm begging you. Please come to Jesus. She was saying, please come to the house. And the last thing I want you to see was it was a biblical faith. It was a it, listen, it was a brave faith, and it was a bedrock faith, and it was a burdened faith. But number four, it was a biblical faith because we know it was a biblical faith because her faith was rewarded. Her faith was rewarded. She was rescued. 
Look on down there. Behold, we have come into the land, and thou shalt bind this land, verse 18, of scarlet thread in the window. Scarlet being red, being the blood that was marking the doorpost, being the blood that would be on the cross and on Jesus and that washes us from sin. That's the picture of salvation I told you about, my friends. But there she is, and she's going to put this thread, this scarlet thread, in her window. And that thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we shall be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in thy house, his blood shall be on our head, and if any hand be upon him. And so go on down now. That They went, they came, they get out, they, they escaped the pursuers. And when the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Dun, and told them all these things befell them. And then you go down, down to chapter 3, and it tells about the destruction of Jericho, or the 3 and 4 there. And in chapter 4, you find that they rescue her and her family and all that are in her house out alive. God rewarded her faith. Her faith was honored. She was rescued. The God who is faithful to do the works that he has promised will be faithful to do the works in you and the works to come. And because of her story, we see this picture of salvation. And therefore, she was honored and she was rewarded for her biblical faith. And not only that, but I believe again that she's the same woman that we see in Matthew 1, verse 5. And she was the great-great-grandmother of David. Great-great-great-grandmother of David, I believe, if I got the number of greats right. But she became part of the genealogical line of Christ. And she was the grandmother of Boaz who married Ruth. And Ruth also was used in the line of Jesus Christ. My point is this. Her faith was rewarded. Her faith was honored. And we are reading about her today and about her faith. Why? Because her faith was bedrock in God Almighty. Her faith was brave and led her to actions of faith. Her faith was burdened, and she led others to be rescued from the judgment that was to come. And my friends, if our faith is not burdening us for others to be rescued from the judgment that is to come, then we need to do a checkup with God and say, Oh, God, forgive me for not being burdened for others. And our biblical faith will be honored as well when one day God will take us home to heaven just as he took Rahab home to heaven he will take us home to heaven and all who believe and i pray that we will have the fantastic features of faith that rahab had i pray that we would do that i pray that we would demonstrate that i pray that you have that today and if you do not i pray that you would that you would call on jesus christ to save your soul the one who died for you the one who loves you enough to pay your price and the one who loves you enough to forgive you of every sin you ever have, are, or will commit because he adopts you into his family. Oh, my friend, do you have that kind of faith? Do you have a faith in Jesus Christ? Do you have a faith in him alone? Do you have a faith that is saving? Do you have fantastic features of your faith like Rahab? I pray that you do. If you don't, I pray that you call on him today. And if you 
are struggling in your faith and demonstrating these features, I pray that God would work in your life and you would draw close to God and he will draw close to you and he would use you in a mighty way in growing your faith and demonstrating your faith today. Let's pray. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you. Till I cross